Perspectives on Easter, a Tent and Thrive special. came to him in the dead of night, under the cover of darkness. I was a respected member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court of religious law and court of public opinion. I could not be seen with this common, unlearned, itinerant preacher, and a man many were calling a rabble larazer, a false prophet, and a blasphemer. Yes, I was a little scared and embarrassed. So I waited until it was dark to approach him. But approach him, I, I did. Why would I risk meeting with him? I, I told myself that as a member of the Jewish ruling council, it was my prerogative, indeed my responsibility, to find out about any teachers or other public figures who might lead the people astray. But that was not why I really sought him out. I had heard him speak before. I had heard him teach about God's grace, but a love that is full of mercy and but freely forgiving and seeking goodness. I heard him say that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I had heard of many miracles, turning water into wine at a wedding in Cana, healing a temple official son at Capernaum, driving out evil spirits, healing a centurion's paralyzed servant, healing the blind and the mute and many more. And so I came with him with my questions, with my longing to know for myself whether he was a charlatan or truly the Christ. Rabbi, I called out to him. Yes, I addressed him as a peer, as a fellow scholar, as one with authority. We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. I surprised myself as I said these words. He didn't seem surprised to see me, surprised by my assertions, are concerned that we were meeting, he smiled and said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That is not what I was expecting. I paused for a moment and took a deep breath before responding, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Gently, Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he went on from there talking about the spirit and the wind blowing where it will and the difference between earthly and heavenly things. He was patient with me, although he did chide me a bit. How are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? God so loved the world that he sent his son. Whoever believes is not condemned, 
the light has come into the world. I came to him in darkness and he showed me the light. The great prophet Isaiah once wrote that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them light has shone. He was a light that shone in the darkness. I came to him in the shadows and although I left in the shadows, I knew that I could not remain in darkness. I was not quite ready to publicly declare my conversion, but in my heart, I became one of his disciples that very night. We had known about Jesus for quite some time. There were members of the Sanhedrin who learned that Jesus had been healing on the Sabbath day. He was also not accepting the authority of the local Pharisees. Sometimes in public, he openly condemned them for legalism, hypocrisy, and a lack of love. Those who tried to debate with him found him far too quick-witted for them. A few of my colleagues began arguing that this man was a dangerous radical, a heretic even. As such, he needed to be neutralized. There was talk of how we could trap him so that we could take evidence to the authorities that could be used to condemn him to death. There was even talk about surreptitiously engaging some of the Sikari to slit his throat. After all, he had said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. As such, we could make the case to the zealots that he was a Roman sympathizer. Don't be so shocked that we were considering killing him. In the Torah itself, we are given this guidance. Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin, and whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. The legend of Jesus continued to grow as he performed more and more miracles. While up on a mountain, he fed more than 5,000 people. The Galileans there wanted to make him king, but he withdrew from them. Later that same evening, it was reported that he calmed a storm raging on the sea to Capernaum. And not only that, it is said that he walked on water walked on it like it was the Via Maris or the King's Highway. But along afterwards, in the middle of the Feast of Booths, Jesus went up to the temple and began teaching. Many marveled at him, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? Jesus said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Some of the people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is speaking in public and they say nothing to him. Could our leaders possibly believe that he is the Messiah? When word of this speculation reached the Pharisees and priests, they dispatched the temple guard to arrest Jesus. But the guards returned to us some three hours later empty-handed. Those in senior positions among us asked the officers of the guard, why didn't you bring him in? Their response was, we have never heard anyone speak like this. 
Have you been led astray too? The leaders mocked. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Without admitting that I was one who believed in him, I spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? One of my colleagues jumped up and yelled at me, Nicodemus, you must be from Galilee. Read the scriptures and you will find that no prophet is to come from Galilee. And that was that. It seemed that all the rest of them had already made up their minds about Jesus. The events of the next few weeks happened so fast. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey to a cheering crowd on the first day of the week. By Thursday night, he had been betrayed by one of his disciples and dragged off to one sham trial after another. On Friday after he was beaten and mocked, they nailed him to a cross and hung him high for all to see. I assisted my colleague Joseph of Arimathea with the burial. Joseph asked Pilate the governor for the body of Jesus. I brought 75 pounds of spices for use in preparing the body for burial and then assisted Joseph in wrapping the body and placing it in the tomb. But the story does not end there. The grave could not hold him. As he had prophesied, on the third day, his father called him back to life. Death was swallowed up in victory. Jesus was no ordinary man. He was not just a rabbi, not just a miracle worker, not just the leader of a movement. He was the one who had to lay down his life so that I could be saved, the one who sacrificed himself for my sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life.